Well, today we're going to be continuing in our, our sermon series we began a few weeks ago called Planted. Of course, we took a break the last couple of weeks ago, um, the last two weeks, I mean, but we're going to continue th- this morning. Uh, and so I'm just going to recap quickly on the two weeks since it's been a few weeks since we've, we've been in this series. And if you're new today or if you're just tuning in online, uh, I would encourage you to go back a few weeks um, and, and catch up with this if you hadn't been a part of this series yet. This series is from the story that Jesus told about the farmer sowing seed in the gospel. In this parable, the sower, Jesus explains, this parable of the sower, Jesus explains the meaning of the seeds and the four different types of soil. The seed is God's word. The various soils represent different kinds of hearts, and the varied results show the different responses to God's word. Jesus explained this parable, and there's no doubt of its meaning. Jesus used this parable to show the importance of being firmly planted in your relationship with God and committed to his word. You remember, as we just read, that rejoices when the truth wins out. We know the one and many truths that are in this book is what we can hold on to today. Amen. In the world of deception and lies and slander and all this stuff, the truth of the word we can still hold on to. He also uses this analogy to explain why some people never produce much spiritual fruit or grow into spiritual maturity. So in week one, first type of Saul, Pastor Todd talked about the importance of it was to protect the seed of God's word in your heart. Uh, I'll, let's read that, Matthew 13, 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. This is Jesus speaking. Pastor Todd said that the enemy works overtime to try to rob the seed of God's word from our hearts. Isn't that true? I was visiting with a family yesterday and, 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 and one of the ladies was saying how, you know, uh, she was feeling some anxiety and some different things going on, but she was saying she recognized that, you know, she's getting closer to the Lord. The enemy is trying to come in and mess with her. Isn't that true? You notice that? Y'all awake this morning? All right. Then he gave two key Keys to protecting God's word in your heart. I know we ain't serving coffee right now, but just, you know, maybe get us some extra shots before you come next week. All right. We're hoping next month we're going to be serving coffee again, starting the beginning of next month. All right. Somebody said the other day, hey, man, you want some more people to start showing up? You might want to start serving coffee again. So, amen. <laughs> he gave two keys to protecting God's word in your heart. First, commit to being a student of the word of God. Then keep learning and growing. Second, he said, you have to believe in and trust in the word of God. That's one of the ways to protect in your heart. For example, the example he gave was the nation of Israel. They never entered the promised land because they didn't put their total faith in God's word. God told them, go to the promised land, go this way. I'm going to conquer the giants for you. I'm going to take care of them. Just go. They didn't believe. They, they, they doubted. Uh, some scouts went out. They doubted. And look what Hebrews 4, 2 says. The message they heard, this was from the Lord, was no of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Do you see that, church? Those of you out there, you could hear the word of God all day. You can come to church seven days a week and hear the Bible being preached. You can listen to a thousand podcasts. If you don't combine what you hear with faith, you end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 plus years. Amen? It takes faith in the word to protect the word of God in your heart. And then in week two, I talked about the second type of soil, and I talked about the importance of deepening your roots or your relationship with the Lord. Matthew 13, 21, again, Jesus says, but since you don't have deep roots, or they don't have deep roots, they don't last. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. 
I, I used the example of, of live oak trees. I got two big live oaks in my front yard and talked about how their deep root system helps them to grow strong and tall and last through every storm of life. I gave three ways to ensure longevity in your relationship with the Lord. And it was to expand the depths of your root, your spiritual roots. Make sure that your faith is not a fad, that it's not just something that comes and goes, and to persevere through problems and persecution. So again, if you didn't listen to those two messages, I want to encourage you to go back on our website, our app, and check them out. So today we're going to look at the third seed in a different type of soil. We're going to read, start out by the parable that Jesus told us uh, recorded in Luke 8, 14. Jesus says, the seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked out by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. Today, the name of this message is Made to Mature. We were all made and created to continue to mature in our faith and our walk with the Lord, right? Wouldn't it be awkward if a child would be born and grow up and still not be mature? Now, as I say that, some of you are probably thinking, I know people that grew up that are not mature, right? So that is the case, but it's also the case spiritually as well. There's people that can get saved, can come to church, can even read their Bible on a regular basis, but not totally mature. Can do all the right Christ-like things, go through the motions of Christianity. But Jesus says that there's three things that can cause us, that can choke out our spiritual fruit and our maturity. He was speaking about the competing, com competing demands of this life. The worries of this life can become so great that they divert our path of faithfulness to the Lord. The law of riches has the ability to deceive us, and the pleasures of life can easily distract us. If any one of these three things happen, we will not grow into spiritual maturity or produce the spiritual or the sweet fruit of the Spirit. So when he says they become unfruitful, an unfruitful Christian, immature Christian, what does that look like? Well, just briefly, their lives never truly change after they become a Christian. And they make little to no contribution to God's kingdom, and they never seem to live a victorious life. Those are three things that are, comp that are, that are common in someone that's not mature. They get born again, but their life never really changes. They never really contribute to the kingdom of God. They never really either, they don't find their purpose, or when they do, they never make a difference for the kingdom of God. And then they're always seeming to have something that they can't overcome in their life. So let's look at the three main reasons people, Jesus said, people lack spiritual maturity. Number one, and this is probably the biggest one, is the worry of the world. Matthew 13, 22. Let's read it in Matthew 9, a different translation. And the one whom seed was sown among the thorns is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Worrying about what's happening in your life or in the world, chokes out the message, and listen to me, the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Do you still believe that, church? It's living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When, when worry begins to consume our mind, it chokes out the power of the Word of God. Listen, and obviously I understand there's a lot going on in the world right now. It started earlier this year with COVID and then all the social unrest that's happening. And then to boot last weekend, you got a storm brewing in the Gulf, right? Does anybody like, really? 
Like, really, another thing? Did anybody think that last week? Like, come on, man, you know, really? And there's so, it's, it's easy. It's really easy to start worrying, especially in a day and age like this that we're looking at, we're living in. But worrying isn't going to change it one bit. Worrying's not going to change anything that's happening in your life personally or what's going on in the world right now. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 12, 25 and 26. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Look, quick pop quiz. Can it? Nope. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, then what's the use of worrying over bigger things? This is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worrying can't accomplish anything little, and it definitely can't change anything big. Listen, if you take a note, write this down. Worry is not only unproductive, but it's destructive. Worry is not only unproductive, but it's destructive. We have already seen through the scripture here what it does to us spiritually, but it also affects us emotionally and physically. A lot of you know this, but in fact, the medical world has confirmed that one of the major reasons for sickness in the Western hemisphere is worry that leads to anxiety and stress that it puts upon our body. Did you know that? One of the leading causes of physical uh, uh, sickness is worry and anxiety. Worry has been linked to negative health effects like high blood pressure, heightened cortisol response, which can inevitably lead to weight gain, lowered immune reaction, sleep problems, heart disease, and more. Of course, the list goes on and on. I was reading all kinds of different lists, and there's a bunch of them. And so, and I know there's a doctor sitting right over there, so I wanted to make sure I was on point with what I was saying. So, again, the med, the med, I mean, I could go, the list goes on and on. He might, Dr. Landrum might come and correct me after. So, if you need to, I'll take some notes, Dr. Landrum, okay? Again, the medical field, this is awesome, though. And I think everybody would agree with that, right? If you had any form of worry or know somebody, or especially leads to intense anxiety. You remember one translation said your anxious cares? It can lead to major health issues. I love that the medical field is only saying what the Bible's been saying for thousands of years. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.10. It says, so refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Amen? Solomon knew this years ago that worry would lead to you being unhealthy, both spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. He specifically said, and keep your body healthy. So we just read that the first thing we need to do, all right, well, let me back up. Let me ask you a question. How do you win the war on worry? How do you win the war on worry? Two things I'm going to give you. One, we just saw it. You have to make a decision that I'm going to refuse to worry about this. I remember years ago, I heard Tim Tebow say, I refuse to worry about things that I cannot control. I refuse to worry about things that I cannot control. Obviously, you know, he's a man of God. He probably got it, it knew that from, from being brought up in a, uh, in, a, in a godly home and knowing the word of God. But he said that. That's so powerful. It's so true. So we have to make a decision and refuse to worry. Next, we got to do what I call is we have to do a weight shift. We have to do a weight shift. You know, if you ever had loaded up your luggage and, and it's a little lopsided, a little heavy, you guys, if you ever loaded up a trailer and if you put the, too much weight on the trailer in the back, the trailer will start swaying, you got to shift the weight over, right? We have to do the same thing spiritually. Look at First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares, and it, the Amplified breaks it down. What's your cares? All your anxieties, your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him, on God. And he, because, for he cares about you, what, what does care mean? With deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Did you see that? 
Cast every bit of your anxiety, your worry, all your concerns onto the Lord. Let's go deeper. The Greek word for casting has a combination of two meanings. Upon, as on top of something, to hurl, to throw, or to cast. And it often means to violently throw or fling with great force. It's not just like, here you go, Lord. Here's my, it's no, it's like, get this thing up off of me, right? That's what it is like when you throw, okay, I know like, if you don't like roaches or maybe spiders or this is the picture and you had a spider or a roach on you, you probably wouldn't just gently like, you flicking or throwing that thing off, right? Can, so, or whatever you don't, it might, whatever the case may be. That's the picture that the Lord's given there. I remember one night, <laughs> A roach landed on my chair and habit. I just went ahead and slapped it off of my chair and it hit my wife on her arm. She's like, ah, she's like, why'd you slap it on me? I was like, I was just flinging it off of me. I didn't know it was going to hit you, right? But that's actually a good picture. You know, I cast it off of my chair onto Cassie unknowingly. That wasn't my plan, but it worked. And so she freaked out and I felt better and had a little laugh at it. So then I was in trouble later also. So anyway, that wasn't in my notes. That just came to me. But you got the illustration, right? That's what casting is. But it's one thing to have a little insect crawling on you. It's another thing to have the weight of the world on you. And, and we were never built to carry the weight of the world. The only other place in the word where it uses uh, this word, uh, this Greek word casting, is in the New Testament, is in Luke, where the Bible says that they brought a colt to Jesus and they cast their garments onto it, and then Jesus sat on it. And this is important to know because this is a correct and an accurate picture of, of what Peter was trying to say. It's the flinging of a garment or a bag of excess weight off of a person's shoulders and onto the back of some beast like a donkey, camel, or horse like they did for Jesus. You see, that's exactly, the, the Lord wants us to throw our herald, the excess weight of our worry, onto his shoulders not our own. He's built to carry the weight of the world because he created the world. We're not, we're not designed. Our bodies were never built to carry the amount of stress, anxiety, and worry most of us carry on a regular basis and way too often and for way too long. What, what does that word care? He cares for us. Well, the Amplified breaks it down, but let me break it down a little more in the original language. It means to be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested some of you need to hear today, the Lord is interested in your every part of your life. To be aware, he's aware of you. To notice, to give painful and meticulous attention. When the Bible says the Lord cares for you, this is what he means. He's aware of your every minute of your life. He painlessly and meticulously cares about you. And he's aware of everything going on. Every thought, not just like, Oh, he waits until we start praying. When you begin to have those anxious thoughts and you begin to worry, just the thoughts the Lord pay, is paying attention to what's going on. Isn't that a great thought to know this morning, saints? Okay, now I'm trying to encourage you now. Every little bit of the weight you carry, the Lord pays attention and he's saying, hey, I'm here. Throw it on me. Fling it here. Cast your cares on me. He's aware of your worries and he's concerned about you. He pays meticulous attention to what's going on in your life. So let me just stop and say here, of course, that's the Lord's heart for you and for all of his people. And that's our heart for you as well. Now let me stop for a moment and let me just address my brothers and sisters that are watching online. Listen, if you're going through a lot, don't wait too long to come back to church. 
We care for you. We want to help you, whatever you're going through. We were talking about this in our department head meeting this week or our staff meeting. I forgot one of the many meetings we've had. And we want to help you. Listen, I want to just encourage you. If you decide, I know everybody's at a different place, and I just want to encourage you. We had a brother in church two weeks ago, hadn't been back to church. It was the first Sunday coming back since all this COVID stuff started happening. They got up, and his wife, him and his wife were planning on coming to the 9 o'clock service. His wife got sick, started throwing up or something. And so he stayed home, and he watched the first service at home. But then after he knew she wasn't coming, he said, man, you know what? I was planning on going to church. I'm going to church. He came to church. He sat right over here. And afterwards, he came up to me and Pastor Todd and said, I watched the first service from home. And you could get the word of God from sitting at home. He said, but it's different from coming and getting in the presence of God. Amen. So I just want to encourage you. Again, I'm not calling you out. I'm not judging you. I'm just encouraging you. Especially if you're dealing with worry, don't stay away too long. We're here. We love you. Get back in the fellowship of God. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. Office is open. We want to pray with you. We want to get, get your arms right. Wouldn't you all agree with, with, with that? Not just us. Everybody here, right? Wants the love and the rest of our family. Amen? So we hope to see you soon. So listen, this weight shift, shift happens in prayer. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Right? You see? So that's where the... How do you do that? It's only in prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about it. If you're worried... You do a weight shift, you cast it on the Lord each and every day. One more thing about um, worry, and I don't mean to get like too, you know, if you, you know, too, too like uh, gross or anything, but if you or anybody you know ever had, uh, well, let me back up. You know the, the, the saying of being a worry wart, right? You've heard, everybody's heard that? Like, man, are you a worry wart? Or so-and-so's a worry wart. Well, I remember years ago, I, I taught a whole message just on worry, Actually, the first Sunday I ever preached in the main auditorium was, on, was a whole message on worry. And I remember I thought of this illustration because I, I used to have a wart on my ankle. And I thought about that, 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 that um, term, a worry wart. The thing about warts is if you ever had one or know somebody has one, they're not pretty. They don't feel good. And they're hard to get rid of. And even when you do get rid of them, like I, I tried to freeze that thing. I accidentally hit it and that thing got cut off before. And I mean, just... and. It, it went away for years. But about three or four years later, something crazy happened. That thing started growing back. So worry is the same way. Worry ain't pretty. It affects you. And even when you get whatever, let me say it, you know this, worry will always try to come back. But you have to continue to do a weight shift and cast it on the Lord. Amen? Number two, I wanted to spend the most time on that one because I know it's probably the most prevalent in all of our lives, but especially in the day and age we're living in. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth, Mark 4, 18 and 19. And others are the ones who, on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age and its worldly pleasures, and the deceitfulness and the false security are glamour of wealth. The passionate desires of all the other things creep in and choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Jesus says the deceitfulness and lore of wealth can choke out the word of God and keep it from influencing our life, which keeps you from living a spiritually mature and fruitful life. Remember, worry will cause it from losing its, its power in your life. The deceitfulness and the lore of wealth will keep it from influencing your life. One of the things that makes wealth so deceitful is what we just read, is its false sense of security. Listen, of course, there's nothing wrong with having money. We all need money, right? You want to eat, you want to uh, buy clothes and all that. It's not about having money or the amount of money you have. I want to clarify that. It's, that's not what it's about at all. It's when you are deceived by wealth. 
It's when you are, you're lured away by wealth. And I'm, I'm going to go into that a little more. Look what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24. Every time you start talking about money in church, he gets quiet. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some translations say money, but I like the way the new King James says it because there's a reason Jesus used the word mammon. What is mammon? Well, mammon, according to biblical history, is a Syrian word that signifies all things belonging to wealth, material possessions, and money. Mammon was a name given to an idol worshipped by the riches, the god of riches. Mammon was a Syrian god, a pagan god that was worshipped. He was the god of money and, and riches. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. What's the spiritual implication? In the, the biblical sense of the word, the God of mammon could be a spiritual stronghold that rests upon money, possessions, and riches that can enslave you and control your heart. Again, it's not how much money you have. It's does money have you? That's the point of what Jesus is making here. Listen, if the desire for wealth is controlling your life, it will choke out God's word in your life and you will struggle to live spiritually fruitful. So you say, well, man, I mean, if, if money's not bad and it's not, money itself's not bad. Again, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. We all need money to keep the lights, AC on, car running, food, all that stuff. How can you tell if you are controlled by the deception of wealth? Ask yourself a couple of questions. What do I give more time and attention to? The pursuit of money or the pursuit of God? Now, I'm not talking about like, well, man, I go to work 40 hours a week, so I spend more time trying to get money. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not how much time you work and all that. What do you occupy with in your mind? What is your heart pursuing? That's what I'm talking about. What is it that you, you're, you're constantly thinking about? Getting more wealth or getting closer to God? It's not how many times, how much time you spend on the job or doing side jobs. That's great. We need to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What is occupying your time and your passion and your focus? Ask yourself that question. The pursuit of money or pursuit of God? Second question asks, who do I trust in more? The amount in my account or the promises of God's provision? Let me say that again. <laughs> Amen. The amount in your account are the promises of God's provision. What are you trusting in more? Now I'm really going to get people uncomfortable. A telltale indicator is if you tithe or not. It's if you tithe. If you tithe, tithing, giving 10% of your income to the Lord, shows that you're trusting in the Lord with the other 90%. If you're not tithing, it shows you're not trusting in the Lord. Yeah, but Brother Brandon, you don't understand how my, my budget, I, I get all that, I get it. See Ms. Babs back there, Brother Francis' life message. We still have him here, the kingdom's economy. His life message is on tithing. And Brother Francis always told so many wonderful stories about tithing. I have tithed since the day I got saved, and I continue to. Nobody in here can convince me or out there about tithing. Why? Because you're trusting the Lord for your provisions, not the amount in your bank account. Brother Francis used to say, when people get saved, the last thing they let go of is their wallet, Right? <laughs> So that's two indicators. What am I pursuing more in my mind, my attention, my efforts, and am I trusting in what's in my bank account or am I trusting the Lord? Number three, the passing pleasures of life. Number one is the word of the world. Number two is the deceitfulness and really the lore of the draw to wealth. And number three is the passing pleasures of life. Luke 8, 14, the seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked out by their own anxious cares the riches of the world, and look what it says. 
the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature or fruitful. Remember, we were created. We were made to be mature. So remember, at the beginning of the message, I said that these passing pleasures can become distractions. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Again, God wants us to enjoy life. Come on, I should get a better amen tonight. God wants us to enjoy life. He, I mean, he wouldn't have put us in South Louisiana if he didn't want us to enjoy food, right? Right? He wants us to enjoy life. But we can become so... But if we become more interested in the pleasures of life than our relationship with the Lord, that's when it becomes an issue. You know, again, I think you know me. If you're close to me, you know I enjoy having fun. I love life. My family and I love to travel. I love the outdoors, to hunt and fish. I, I watch sports. I, I love to like, I love to have fun. Who doesn't like to have fun, right? We, I love to have fun. But I can't let the pleasure of life begin to consume my time, energy, and devotion to God and to his word. Now, in the true context, the presence of life can also be sinful pleasures. So let me let me stop there and say this is referring to also sinful pleasures of life, the things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. As I talked about earlier, if we want revival and true power, we got to walk in holiness and turn away from what the Bible calls sin. Amen? But even good pleasures can become a distraction to us. I remember, and some of you maybe heard me tell this story, I can remember... You know, when I first came on staff here and I was a youth pastor and, and you know, just I, I've always been big into football and I, I've been, you know, just been always been LSU and a Saints fan. And, and I remember during football season, it got to a point where throughout the day, especially as game day, we get closer. I'd be reading articles on the game. What's going on? Every time I'd get in my car to go run an errand or something, I'd be listening to sports radio. And now, even though I wasn't like, you know, uh, uh, taking the time that I was supposed to be working, it was just when I was in the car, when I was driving, I had a little time, I turned the radio on and I began to listen to all this sports radio and I remember how you know because when the guy on the radio station would say something that I disagree with about my team I get a little frustrated because I didn't agree with them and you know and I I begin to get all worked up about it and that kept going on for weeks and then months and then finally one day I just sat there and I was thinking man I'm being distracted by something like sports that it's not in itself bad but I'm given passion and even some anger over this dude, I don't even know, that don't know me. And I'm even given time where I could be making phone calls in my car. Maybe I could be having worship music on. Are y'all tracking with me? It wasn't wrong. It was just a distraction. And this is what I, you see, this is the issue of importance and priority. When you become too preoccupied with having fun, pleasure, and entertainment, you end up neglecting your relationship with God and his word, and you won't fully mature into the man and woman that God has created and called you and me to be. You know, this is also a sign of the times that we're living in. Look what 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 4 says. But mark this. He's like, pay attention here. Mark this down in your Bible. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Sound familiar? Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Sound familiar? Disobedience to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. With, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, and look at this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It lists a whole list of sinful things that in the last days, which we're seeing all of this stuff multiplied by the day. But he says, lover of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Again, y'all, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. I love to have fun like the next man. But when love 
the love of pleasure becomes greater than the love of God, it will stifle, it will choke out our spiritual maturity. Amen? Quick story about that. There's a brother, he's not here today, but he told me, again, as an outdoorsman, uh, he was on a dare lease one year, and, you know, of course, he would get off of work on Friday afternoon. Sometimes he'd be able to get off half a day on Friday, go up, make a hunt on Friday evening. He'd hunt the mornings and the evenings, uh, Saturday evening, and then he'd come back Saturday night to come to church. And he was on a, in a, in a hunting club, and so it was a big, a lease with a bunch of guys in it. And those guys would always give him a hard time, like, man, you're always leaving early. Man, you need to stay another day, man. You get, you know, two more times in the stand or whatever. Man, you keep leaving early. So, man, I'm going to church. I love to deer hunt, but I'm not neglecting going to church over some deer. And he said, you know what's crazy, Pastor Brandon? He said, that year, I killed the most deer than anybody else on that deer lease. Amen. Hey, listen, God wants us to enjoy life, y'all. And he has a way to multiply our, 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 our fruitfulness. If you're a hunter, a fisherman, if you play golf, if you ladies, you like to shop. Come on, if you don't let it consume you, God can show you what themselves are. Come on. Amen. Come on. She received that right there, right? God wants us to enjoy life, but we can't. It, what it is is prioritizing our times and our passions. Remember, I'm talking about spiritually maturely. If you feel like you're stuck, Today, if you feel like you're not producing the fruit, whether it be the fruit of the spirit or the fruit to make a difference in the kingdom of God, ask yourself, if you've been worrying, you need to do a weight shift. As I close, don't be deceived or drawn to the false security of wealth. Again, it's not about collecting wealth. I just read again through or Solomon. He said, ask for anything. He said, man, all I want is wisdom to lead your people. He said, well, since you didn't ask for anything else, I'm going to give you wisdom. And what did he tell Solomon? I'm going to give you riches and fame. God blessed Solomon with that. He wanted him to have that. But we can't have a false sense of security in that or pursue that over the Lord. Trust in the Lord's provisions. And the third and final thing, we need to be a good steward of our time and energy and don't be too occupied with the pleasures of life. Amen? Just like they say, too much of anything's not good, right? My brother here, I know he likes to fish. We love to fish, all these different things. But you know, you know, even too much water is not good for you. Too many vitamins are not, even things that are good for us, that is okay. Too much of anything is not good, right? So let's just be good stewards of our time, our energy. Again, God wants us to relax, have fun. But listen, those things, if they're taken out of context, can choke out fruitfulness in our lives. Well, as I said earlier, we've been talking about how this can prevent us from becoming spiritually mature. Again, like I said earlier, a child is born first, then he begins to mature. You can't mature spiritually until you're born again. Amen? John 3, 3 says this, Jesus answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified, he cannot ever see or experience the kingdom of God. Why don't you get and bow your head with me? If you would say, you know what, Brandon? I've never produced spiritual fruit. I don't think that I'm spiritually mature. And you got to start with, have you even been born again? A child can't mature until he's born or she's born. So if you're in here today, if you're at home today watching, and 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 I mentioned earlier about sin, we list, listed a, a bunch of things in 2 Timothy that is sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, even at home, you may want to bow your head right now and just say, you know what, Brandon, I don't know if I've even ever started, if I've been born again. I don't know if, 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 if today was my last day. I mentioned yesterday, people wonder, are we in the last days? You know what? I don't know, but it could be your last day. It could be my last day. And if it is, where would you spend eternity? If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure where 
I would spend eternity if today was my last day. But I want to make sure today, I want to be born again. I want to get life right with the Lord. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. And even at home, I want you to do this. Say, Brandon, I want to get my life right with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Well, amen. If at home, you raised your hand or you know that you haven't given your life to Christ. We're just going to pray this prayer together. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for dying for me. Lord, I want to be planted in your kingdom and grow to spiritual maturity. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you, Lord, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. If you prayed that prayer online or even in here, you maybe didn't raise your hand, but you did. There's a card in the pew or a link online that says connection card. And here it says, I made a decision. Fill out that card and bring it to the info center. Go ahead and stand up with me. And as we close, we're going to pray through these three things quickly. Close your eyes with me one more time. And if you say, Brandon, I've been weighed down with worry. Come on, just lift your hands and just say, Lord, I do a weight shift today. I cast every single one of these cares on you. Because I know you care for me. Look, hands going up everywhere. Come on, just right where you are. Do a weight shift. If you're at home, say, I've been weighed down with worry. And Lord, I cast every single one of these care. You may be worried about getting COVID or worried about all the, the, the turmoil going on in our society or worried about something personal or physical or financial. Come on, give it to the Lord today. He says, cast all your cares. Fling it on him because he cares for you. In Jesus' name. And you know what? We need to repent of worry and say, Lord, I'm sorry for worrying, not trusting in you. Which leads to the next thing. If you've been putting false, if you've been, your, your security and your trust has been in, 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 in your finances, or you've been pursuing or are trying to, to, to gain more wealth over the pursuit of your, your relationship with God, just repent today. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I make a decision to begin to pursue you. If you haven't been tithing, I would encourage you today to start tithing. It's a, it's a trust issue. It's not about the money. We're blessed here. We don't need money. It's for you. It's for you to, to release that so you can begin to produce spiritual fruit in your life. And then be a good steward of your time and energy. And don't be too occupied with the pleasures of life. Again, maybe you say, Lord, help me. Let's pray this together. Lord, help me to be a good steward of my time, of my energy. We only have so much energy, church, and we only have so much time here. Again, we all want to have fun. Everybody, it's nothing wrong. God wants us to enjoy life. But come on, there's only so much time and energy and passion we have. So, Lord, would you help us right now to be good stewards of our time, our energy, the gifts, the talents, the finances that you've given us, Lord God. We cast every care on you today. We know that you care for us. You pay attention. You're aware. And, Lord God, you painstakingly, meticulously are seeing what's going on. And you want to lift the burden and fill us with your peace. We thank you for that. May your peace, grace, blessing, and provision be upon everyone today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful day. And we'll see y'all soon. If you need prayer for anything, let us know.